Voices of Hope is a podcast of New Hope Presbyterian Church in Castle Rock, Colorado. New Hope is a church that puts people first. Our Sunday worship is on-site and online at 9.30 a.m., and you can listen to our sermons and podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and any popular podcast platforms. This week, Pastor Don continues our new series, The Values of Hope. The sermon is titled, The Law of Love, and explores the Beatitudes from Matthew 5, 1-16. Scripture reading is done by Cindy Ubin. When Jesus saw his ministry drawing huge crowds, he climbed a hillside. Those who were apprenticed to him, the committed, climbed with him. Arriving at a quiet place, he sat down and taught his climbing companions. This is what he said. You're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there is more of God and his rule. You're blessed when you feel you've lost what is most dear to you. Only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. You're blessed when you're content with just who you are, no more, no less. That's the moment you find yourselves proud owners of everything that can't be bought. You're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God. He's food and drink in the best meal you'll ever eat. You're blessed when you care. At the moment of being careful, you find yourselves cared for. You're blessed when you get your inside world, your mind and heart, put right. Then you can see God in the outside world. You're blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete or fight. That's when you discover who you really are and your place in God's family. You're blessed when your commitment to God provokes persecution. The persecution drives you even deeper into God's kingdom. Not only that, count yourselves blessed every time people put you down or throw you out or speak lies about you to discredit me. What it means is that the truth is too close for comfort and they are uncomfortable. You can be glad when this happens. Give a cheer even, for though they don't like it, I do. And all heaven applauds. And know that you are in good company. My prophets and witnesses have always gotten into this kind of trouble. Pray with me. Gracious and wonderful God, uh, we thank you that we are called uh, to testify to love. Uh, that the love you send us, the love you plant deep inside of us, the love we here at New Hope have not generated but have inherited and are called to pass along to others that this love uh, can fill us up, can become incarnate uh, in us. May it be so, and especially, Lord, may it be so in my words this morning. Uh, Amen. Went to Whitworth College in Spokane, Washington. I was a psych major. Eric Holm went to Whitworth and studied psych nine years after me, previous associate pastor here. And back in the day, we had a retreat. For Was it all freshmen? Was it a church group that I started to go to? I don't know what it was, but I know it was my freshman year. I'd only been uh, a student for a few weeks. And on this retreat, we had a great time. 
a lot of meeting new friends, and I loved the leaders. And then Sunday morning, uh, we made a coat of arms, an exercise where something kind of artsy-craftsy, which wouldn't have quite been my thing, but I like the content, and I remember it. And making a shield, and in the upper left, something about the Shrum family, a big capital S with I don't know what I, know what I put on there. Um, on the right-hand side on the upper part, uh, what's a hobby of yours? Something you love, something that means something to you, particularly you, Don, as opposed to just your family. And I'm sure I put, I put something to do with music, probably just a musical note. Uh, again, graphic design, not necessarily my thing, but true, uh, true about music. Lower left, uh, design something to do with your faith, the role of God in your life. And I hate to think, but I suspect I just put a cross. <laughs> there it is. No points for creativity, but it is my coat of arms on the lower right. Think about your death. Think about what you want people to say about you at your funeral service. Hard thing for a 17-year-old or a 63-year-old to meditate on. A good thing to meditate on, speaking of which, we're only a couple weeks out from Ash Wednesday. Uh, come and let's celebrate a deeper life. Um, together, 6.30 Ash Wednesday. Put something, and so what, I, what do you want them to say about you? Uh, and I can see it now. I wrote the word wise. Not bad. I, 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 I guess I'm stumbling now because I can't tell if the chuckling over here is ironic chuckling. Uh, well, we need to talk later. I'm trying not to look. Um, I wrote the word wise. This is what I want people uh, to say after I'm gone. I wasn't a great college student. I was a good college student. I got more serious as I got into uh, seminary degrees and, and doctoral work later because the further along you get where you get to decide what you're studying, that really helped me especially get more serious about my studies in seminary. As I was studying more and getting excited about what I was learning, I may have told this story, my brother Norm, a couple years ahead of me, and somewhere in there when we overlapped, I remember him listening to me, and I was no doubt talking about some liberal cause of justice for everyone born a place at the table. I wasn't a hymn yet, but what a hymn. It's all there, justice and joy. Um, all these things I was fired up about, angry about, wanting to preach on, teach on, affirm about what was going on in our world. And Norm said, hey, bud, um, Remember, there are no issues. There's only people. Wow, I thought of that all week long. A couple of weeks I've been looking forward to this morning, thinking about people. Because for New Hope, as we do a little mini-series here on our core values, Jordan and I have been talking about, our first core value has to do with people. This morning, those two values. One is um, a, a big table. We invite people to a big table. We're going to close with communion in a minute. And I've got some complaints about how big our table is. <laughs> as, as we've always said, it's not just, not just this room, right? Not even, it's not our table. Uh, way bigger than this. But the first thing, and Jordan often starts with this in his announcements, is we put people first. Beautiful people before ideas, right? 
love before ideas. People matter is what it says uh, on our core values under our website. And it's a simple yet profoundly difficult way to start to say, put people first. Uh, this morning, I want to celebrate and bemoan that uh, and ask a question about, uh, of course, which people? Which people? Left a little, a little unspoken in our values as important as they are. People first, yes. I think we have in mind some specific people. Jesus is our model. Uh, we're just starting February. We're moving towards Lent. We get to talk now finally about the life of Jesus, what he brings to us, what studying his life can do for us, what we can learn from him, what we can incorporate and incarnate even from his own life. Uh, we just got done celebrating his baptism. His baptism, where according to a couple of the Gospels anyway, it seems to be when the divine touch happened. When he was aware of God coming down, this is my son, my beloved, listen to him. Is that when it occurred? We spent a couple of weeks in Bible study after worship talking about Christology and when Jesus became God. And we're visiting these texts. Something really important happens at baptism is that when he finds out jordan was talking last week about the temptation in the wilderness jesus goes into the wilderness so do you and i jordan's words were about um <laughs> the temptation of ego and the false self what we find out in the wilderness the temptation to power and authority uh, to being right to glorifying self what even jesus had to struggle with and we might make sense that oh, makes sense that's an ongoing peace for me in my own vision quest, wandering out there different seasons of my life. But something about Jesus' temptation also helped clarify who he was and what he was about. That's what wandering around can do even in the trials of the wilderness, honing what we're really going to do. And can we experience God out there even as we experience uh, uh, the other one, capital O? If you remember, gosh, 30 years ago, uh, The Last Temptation of Christ, a movie by, uh, uh, who, who did this? Martin Scorsese. This is before your time, isn't it? Have you seen this movie? Cr uh, I, know, I know. Oh, good, good. Scorsese is one of your favorite directors. Jordan loves and knows a lot about movies. That's why I'm teasing him. Um, the book by Nikos Kazantzakis clarifies it more. In the movie, Jesus' temptation is in the wilderness, but really the last temptation is on the cross. And it portrays him deciding to get climbed down from the cross and go and have a normal life, marry Magdalene Mary, uh, and live by the seaside until he comes across uh, the Apostle Paul, some others. Fantastical, great theology struggling about identity and the desert. In the book, it happens earlier, even at his baptism, that rather than the dove descending on Jesus, like the gospel says, Kazantzakis, who's Greek Orthodox, faithful believer, says what came down is a massive bird of prey whose huge talons embed themselves in Jesus' skull and shoulder 
and drag him out into the desert where he's tempted and, of course, comes to greater clarity about what's what, who I am, why I'm here. And uh, in the same way, we come and hopefully find ourselves the other side of the wilderness. Jesus finds himself, comes back, and delivers the only sermon he ever did, the one you heard this morning, the Sermon on the Mount. Luke quotes it as well, changes a few things. You heard a great uh, version by Cindy today, some creative uh, language from the message, a paraphrase by Eugene Peterson. Um, Here's some pieces of it that might be a little more familiar. And also we're going to close with it in song form uh, today. He began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Some of these are deeply embedded in us, right? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed. Blessed are. Uh, It's old-fashioned language I'm not comfortable with. Bless you, my son. It's a little patriarchal. I feel blessed when I start reading some of our posts on Facebook. I feel blessed. I feel anxious because often those are associated with uh, uh, considerable wealth. I feel blessed because I get to go on this trip. I feel blessed because this good thing has happened. And I'm always asking, glad to hear about your life. Wish I could have a more balanced peace because when I hear how great things are going with you and you've got grandkids, I feel blessed. I start thinking, oh, oh. A uh, contemporary translation of these passages says blessed is too passive. Um, it's meant to be more active. Uh, it's meant to bestow what's, beata is, a, is the Latin, the beatitude. Um, it's meant to be like the high priestly blessing at the end. Something is happening. It's not just a declaration of, because I always wonder, how, how are the poor blessed? How are the, when I'm mourning, I'm not blessed at all. How is it happening? Uh, the translation says, congratulations, you poor. Wow, that's the equivalent. Saying what it is. Congratulations, you who are starving and hungry and thirsty uh, for righteous congratulations. Great work. Congrats, peacemakers. Um, God counts you as their children. Congrats, you who are getting persecuted because you're trying to be a Christian in a post-Christian world. Way to go. Um, Interesting with the Beatitudes. Today I recognize just for myself that this poor in spirit. Congratulations, you who are poor in spirit. For me, that covers a lot of what follows. And I feel often poor in spirit. Congrats, Don. You broken. Way to go. Is it because some point in the future that won't be true? How can that be? Some point in the future I'll be satisfied with the thirst for, hun- for righteousness. Some point in the future I won't be mourning. 
Congrats. Way to go, you who are poor in spirit. It seems to me I'm glad he started with that. It feels like an umbrella piece because I feel poor in spirit when I'm challenged uh, this morning, when I recognize the importance of putting people first and how important love is. That puts me right in touch with, oh, I get it. I'm, I'm a Matthew 5.1 guy. That's it. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Because I'm poor in spirit because I'm not great at love. New Hope goes further. New Hope knows uh, that obviously it's a balance between learning and loving. Obviously a balance between people and ideas. Uh, do you know what your paragraph says? Now I say your paragraph rather than our paragraph. That's like uh, when my sister calls and says, uh, you know what your dad did? Do you hear that? You can always do, do you know what it says on your, pace, in your, your page? New hope. Recognize the value of love and people. And errs on the side, E-R-R. It's right there. Errs on the side of loving people. It's a given that you're not perfect, that you're supposed to have a balance and you won't. So since you can't be perfect, make this error. It's the same error Jesus seems to make, right? For people. Uh, maybe even at the expense of self-identity or of being right. Erring on the side of people is what New Hope is about. We put people first. So to close, to get ready, which people? You? Me? I know my preference. A few of you, as you've gotten to know me over the last few months, have come to me and said something like this. I don't know how to be more loving. I can't stand my father-in-law. My son's wife is an idiot. <laughs> I used to love my neighbor until I realized uh, she was MAGA, and now I recognize the racism in her, and all I feel when I'm around her is anger. And I, tr I try to come, I try to generate pastoral responses that aren't just. Uh, you asked the wrong guy. I'm a Matthew 5, 1 guy. I'm poor in spirit. I'm bad at love. That's what I want to say. We're going to have a brief meeting in here in a few minutes that I hope you stay for. If you've been listening between the lines, some of you might have a wonder, am I invited? The answer is Yes. Uh, we want to invite all leadership especially because it's a meeting to talk for 15 minutes um, about direction and ministry. It's a meeting to talk about which people. Is our ministry about putting Tim first and Colleen? That's one kind of ministry. Your leadership says, no, we've got something a little twisted here. It's Anne 
and Don, we're not aiming at them. They should be doing the aiming. Kurt and Lynn, we're not doing church for you. Your church, we're the ones who are doing ministry out there. That's who we put first. Speaking of others, who do we... Boy, Black History Month. Perfect. When it could be perfect because uh, you might think, oh, Pastor Don, being a social justice guy, must be so excited. No, Pastor Don's thinking, when is White History Month? When's, when's white, white heterosexual male bald guy month? <laughs> you, by, the, by the way, you have, be sure to chastise Allie when you see her. I found out just this last week, the kids downstairs last week following the tobacco with the baptism, uh, talk about uh, Pastor Jordan and then not the other reverend. It's Pastor Jordan and the bald guy. I'll, I'll try to make sure it shows up on her job evaluation. But you, Black History Month, when I say, this is it, I'm poor in spirit, I'm resentful and petty and racist, and I don't know how to get out of it. I'm bad at love. I don't know how to forgive. This table is too damn big. This table, that's, I'm having Jordan do it today, that's the robe, and because I don't, this table, I've got people, not in this room, don't worry. There's people at this table I hate. Wow, pastor shouldn't have said that on a communion Sunday. Darn your big table. What a perfect bad match, because I'm bad at love. We had this tragic killing of the Young black man by five black police officers in the last two weeks, right? Uh, just another round of hideous racism. What's interesting about this time is it reminds us that our, so to speak, black and white thinking about racism is woefully inadequate. We need a more critical theory of race. Ah, we do have it to think like adults more complexly about the ways you and me, privileged as we are, benefiting from race. Don, if you don't like Black History Month, when do you want to talk about racism? Calendar. Um, how about never? It's never good for you? Never works for me. My folks literally want to outlaw talking about racism. Anything that makes white men uncomfortable, we want to make against the law. I totally get it. I... Big table, hang on, hang on. How about, uh, maybe I can, is it too much to make that change as an, as an interim? A small table, asterisk, um, as defined by Don Shrum, you know. Not gonna let someone else. Dragging me, because I'm starving, and I'm bad at love. How on earth, how on earth am I blessed given the struggles this meal represents? Given the proper focus of disciples of Jesus Christ is on anyone but ourselves. We're the ones who do the outreach, do the aiming.
Thank you for listening to Voices of Hope. If you have enjoyed our podcast, please rate and review it and share it with your friends. And now, church, may you go and love your neighbor as yourself and love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Go in peace.